Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. Never before in a home format have so many options been available to a player of video golf. Welcome to Nostalgia, chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And guys, uh, that quote that we read at the beginning of the episode is brought to you by the U.S. National Video Game Team of 1988. Is that like an Olympic team? (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I had a feeling that uh, nobody would know who the U.S. National Video Game Team is, so I did some research because I had never <laughs> heard of them either. And it was set up by Walter Day back in 1983. Do you guys know Walter Day? He's that guy who wears the referee shirt in King of Kong. Uh, I mean, I I must have seen him, but I don't I don't recall. He's like the owner of Twin Galaxies too, or something something of that effect. And uh, Twin Galaxies are the people that used to hold, like, all the world records for the arcade uh, games. Anyway, make a long story short, Walter Day set up a team that involved, like, Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers, two people that are now, like, banned from video game achievements for life because yep. they both got caught cheating. Uh, and they toured the U.S. in, like, a bus going around beating people at different video game arcades throughout America and then eventually went all the way to going to foreign embassies and beating international video game players as well. Okay. I, I like that, like, when you just say beating, it sounds like they went in a tour bus just beating crowds of people in arcades. <laughs> um, but now I, when you say embassies, I, now that I'm confused because, like, what foreign embassy would allow such a thing to occur? <laughs> like, right, did they right. actually care about video games back then on the international stage? And and was this like I mean was this just like a thing that they did or were there other like teams that they were fighting against that were also trying to do this or were they just like challengers let us know and we'll find you and and fight you so were they just doing this on their own or were there other teams that they could go out and were they just like any challengers let us know and we'll come fight you or were there like, rival factions I don't think there were any rival factions um, but that's something I guess I should look up. You know, there's not a lot of information on how they did any of this. It it does seem like they took it upon themselves to name themselves the U.S. National Video Game Team and then just showed up (laughs) at random arcades around the United States and said, bet I could beat you in Pac-Man. And they played a guy who had memorized Pac-Man. So it's just a bunch of kids like making a club and and just doing doing things. Uh, Kids would be the wrong word. You know, sure, we're looking not at kids. Like, like 20s. Is this a legal organization? <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently yes. And they're even, to this day, they're still active. You can look up their uh, current members on their website, usnationalvideogameteam.com. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's actually a zanga. But anyway, right. continue, Mike. Yeah, anyway, remember golf on the NES? Oh, you mean one of your favorite games of all time, golf? We all loved golf. Joe, didn't you love golf? I I loved golf. I did love golf. Not as much as you, granted, but I did like golf. And now we have Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf, uh, (laughs) which is not a beat-em-up, and it's also not a a fighter either. It is just golf again. And Lee Trevino is not in it. 
Well, no, he's, he's, in he, he's in it. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> he's in it? Yeah. He's, he's super uh, mechs. He's super mechs. See, it's funny because... Oh, I didn't know that. When I, uh, when I saw this game on the list, I had to do some digging just to understand why it's named the way it is. And like I, I learned that Lee Trevino was, you know, he was the equivalent of like a sort of like a Tiger Woods of the time. And uh, that can't just... That doesn't stop me, though, from sort of fantasizing about this game as if it were something along the lines of, like, Sean Avery's 3D hockey. Like, it just seems so, like, a pedestrian name <laughs> to be attached to uh, a, a game series. I don't know if this has another one, but I don't know what you guys thought. Well, did you, did you find a reason that it's Fighting Golf? I don't know why it's called Fighting Golf. I thought maybe Lee Trevino had a temper. Uh, but that's just a guess. <laughs> yeah, because I was waiting for that. I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be cool." There's gonna be like a little twist where you where you have to go like on a mission and fight people or something. But nope, it's just golf. Well, there is actually an explanation for for both okay. things. I'll, I'll talk about both points. So first, <laughs> for the fighting golf, uh, that's actually just strictly a mistranslation by the localization team, where they just didn't understand the title of the Japanese game and included fighting, thinking that like, oh yeah, that's an Actiony word that'll make sense. I, I yeah, I kind of figured it was like maybe it was supposed to be like versus or something because there's two player in it or something. They it was mistranslated to fighting, but I didn't know. Yeah, and then uh, Sean, just to just to go back to your thing because I think Sean Avery's 3D hockey is very funny. <laughs> um, it's true that like that would even be a thing that would go on to happen at least in baseball games where like Nintendo got like Ken Griffey's license and that was like incredible for the time. And so yeah, anybody that's else Griffey, who wanted, right? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like anybody else who wanted to make a baseball game had to use a different player, and so yeah. that's kind of like a real life example of like why would I play Mike Piazza's Strike Zone when <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr.'s <laughs> Slugout is happening? So wait, Mike Piazza's Strike Zone is a game. It's a game on the N64, and it's awful. <laughs> okay. Um, also, uh, since, since we're talking about Lee Trevino's fighting golf and Lee Trevino in general here. Why would Lee Trevino opt himself to be in a game where he's the second most powerful golfer and has the <laughs> second worst control out of all of the golfers? I think it's... I feel like he probably had no idea what they were going to do to his likeness. I, I think that um, maybe he just wants to be seen as the all-rounder. And, you know, because the people that he's... Like, the other characters in this game, if we want to go there, is... A, a girl that is just defined by how pretty she is, um, and she's more accurate. And then there's another dude that is just strong, and maybe he never even played golf before. Oh, you're talking about Big Jumbo? <laughs> Big Jumbo. <laughs> and I forgot who the other one is, uh, but I don't remember what... what why Miracle Chasuke. Him. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe it's, he just wanted to be seen as, like, the only true golfer on, like, on the roster. <laughs> Right, and Lee Trevino is Super Mex, the third option on the character screen, because <laughs> that was his nickname, uh, was Super Mex, and I think that, like, I'm sure there's a perfectly valid explanation for that, but the only reason I could find is that he was a Mexican-American golf player, so yeah. they Apparently, just naturally he, called yeah. him that. I guess that is true, like, even on the infallible Wikipedia page, they said that he was affectionately called Super Mex. 
But it's important to mention that there are characters here because I think that's like a big differentiator right off the bat from like NES golf in the case that like each of these characters, even if they are no-name people outside of Lee Trevino, uh, they each control differently. You have Pretty Amy, who has the least amount of power, but the best control. And yeah, it's weird that like her whole personality is like defined by her being pretty. But what's up with like the what's up with the fact that if she hits like a great shot, you also get like you get to see her panties. Yeah, it's weird. Like, what's that about? It's very Japanese. <laughs> And then you have Big Jumbo, who, as you can imagine, has the most power, but sucks at everything else. So you have to, like, work with that against you. Uh, Super Max, like I said, he's just this, he's just an all-around average golfer, which just seems strange for Lee Trevino to want to attach his name to. (laughs) No, it makes, it sounds better if you just say he's an all-around golfer. Oh, there you go. Got it. it. All-around golfer. And Miracle Chasuke, who, I'm sure I'm not saying that last name right. But his whole thing is that he can do the miracle putt, which is, like, he has a better opportunity of, like, if you're using a, um, like, a sand wedge or a power wedge and you're not on the green, you have a better opportunity of hitting it into the hole than anybody else. So you're saying there's, like, RNG in this game? I'm, I'm saying that there's a lot of RNG just off the bat based on those introductions. I mean, (laughs) now you have to choose between, like, forget about understanding the controls of a a golf game in two dimensions, right? Like, forget about those things for a second and understand that now, no matter who you pick, you're penalized in some way. Maybe that's why it it makes sense that Lee Trevino is is the the all-rounder because that's who, like, most people who are going to play are just going to probably feel more comfortable playing with him because it's like, well, he's, he's pretty good at everything, I, even though he's not the best. And I also just disagree with the notion that these are, like, th- that your experience is lesser because there is, like, a variety of kinds of characters. I mean, I think it's just in how you frame it. Like, yeah, I mean, I think if unless it's just going to be a a completely cosmetic difference between what character you choose like there should be pros and cons to choosing them yeah i agree with that i i didn't it didn't bother me that they had different attributes granted i really mostly just played as supermax yeah i just feel like golf is already kind of complicated on on the nes like it's there's a lot working against it and the, the idea that like there's randomness to your player character only makes it harder to actually be any good at this game the the only randomness that I really that I can see in just the descriptions of these characters though is apparently that that miracle Chiseke guy could get miracle putts. The, everything else is just you you see it reflected uh, on their UI. Like if you're if you're playing as Lee Trevino, um, like everything behaves in one way. But if you're playing as Amy, uh that little power slash accuracy gauge goes goes a little slower. So I, they're more like the tools afforded to you behave differently, and I don't really see the RNG in it. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, I guess I'm not talking about RNG uh, in the sense of like that the computer actually programs randomness. What I'm saying is is that there there are accurate there's measures of how hard each player can hit a ball and so obviously like big jumbo could hit something 275 yeah. yards where pretty amy can only hit a 225 but pretty amy has better control over the ball and that matters about like 
how the ball lands, uh, you know, versus like if your big jumbo, even if you hit it right on the middle, there's going to be some kind of slice for the ball that's going to cause it to wane left or right on any given particular putt. Hmm. Okay. I, I didn't yeah. play as him, so maybe maybe that is the case. But I thought it was just that there was a it was more sensitive to your input, not so much that it would add randomness to your input. Right. No, it it adds that. But on top of that, too, it's like, you know, each thing has their own thing, too. Like Miracle Chasuke, his putting is great, but it comes at the cost of uh, control and power. And Pretty Amy is, a you know, a, she has the least amount of power, but her putting isn't yeah. as good as Miracle Chasuke. So it's like, it's just... It's interesting that they gave these characters a thing. I guess I'm arguing that on an NES golf game, do we really need another layer of complications on top of the uh, things that we've already experienced and the new additions that this game brings to it? I, I, I see it. what you're saying, but I do think that I do. Yeah, I do think that after after playing it for a little bit, like I think it's overall a good thing, at least in my opinion. Also, to have granted, if there's anything that's like actually like punishing about picking a character that might not be the best but i think the fact that it's like just some characters have better attributes and and better skills in one attribute than another character i like that too because it adds a little bit of level of like strategy and choice to it So let's talk about the uh, notable differences for this game because it's not just the NES golf mechanics with playable characters and franchising behind it. There are actually some new mechanics introduced in this one. And if we could just kind of talk our way through each of them, I'll introduce the subjects. The first one I thought was interesting is that where you are on the course at any given particular time, the computer will auto-pick a club and direction for you that it thinks is appropriate. Did you guys find that more helpful than just always having to pick your own uh, wedge or iron? Yeah, I actually very rarely ended up finding myself switching it. Once in a while I did, but for the most part, I just kind of trusted what the computer gave me. And usually, I mean, obviously I don't know what would have happened if I switched it, but usually it felt like the computer gave me the right choice. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I liked it because I'm not super familiar with golf clubs. And, you know, I didn't have to, like, think about it or, like, remember which was which or, or you know, which one would be good in which in which position. But I, I'm sure after a while it might get, like, a little bit too easy. I think this is the natural progression. Like, it, I wouldn't say that they were trailblazers for doing this, but there's a reason that uh, golf games to this day will, will sort of do that for you. Um, and part of it is because a layperson doesn't know the difference between a nine iron and a five wood like i don't so when i was just sort of trying like blindly uh l- looking at all of my clubs and deciding what to do in the originally as golf like i just sort of had to like just guess what what these things meant and i i appreciate that it at least like guides you um to where you should be and then you can adjust it from there like 
there were some instances where I went from a nine iron to the actual like driver and uh, just to just to get some extra oomph to it. But I think that this was the next logical step. Yeah, I, I think a, a nice compromise for me would have been if there was like the, like an easy mode that selects your clubs for you, but still displays them. So you can play that for a while, kind of learn the clubs, and then like a regular or hard mode where it's like now. Yeah, I guess that works. Yeah, and it's it's not always the best too, which is important too, because I think it would stink if like it always chose the optimal thing for you given a situation. Like it doesn't account for the wind, or it doesn't account for like oh, there might be a lake hazard in the middle of this and now you might land in there instead if you don't uh, change your club. Like, I like that because if it just shows you the optimal thing based on computer metrics, you'd be barely playing the game. You would just yeah. always swing as hard as possible and aim for the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also think... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I also think that um, the ability to, like... To, to keep the clubs within the same amount that the NES golf game had wasn't a, like, hindrance for it because I'm pretty sure that's just the standard amount of clubs that anyone brings with them to a uh, an 18-hole course. So that wasn't, like, that wasn't weird to me. And at the same time, like, I don't even know if I needed all of those options. Like, it's really nice for them to include everything from a one wood to a sand wedge, but I don't even know if I need all... Uh, three iron to nine iron for me. I, I think it's just. I, I guess it would be sort of like a. Uh, uh, I don't even know what what an equivalent would be, but it's like in a baseball game you could only do a fastball or something. I don't know. I think that exactly the different kinds of clubs are 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 just very descriptive of the sport. So you need them. I think. Yeah. Although it is, I, I do wonder, like how much like those small increments actually do within like the hardware of the NES. Uh, like maybe they don't make too much of a difference, but they're just there for immersion. I'm not sure, but it just seems like uh, how much can the NES be really differentiating? Between, I think like, it's just, clubs yeah, are so close I together. think it's just differences in, in range and uh, maybe how sensitive it is to changes in power. I don't know. That's just a guess. No, I think, I think you're spot on there because it seems like, for the most part, each club is, and this is regardless of player, because even if your max is 275 or your max is 245, it seems to go down in increments of like 30s and then 10s and then maybe even as low as 5s towards the end. Yeah. So it seems like it was nice of them to like not say like, oh, well, you really only need a 1 wood, a 4 wood, a 1 iron, a 5 iron, and a 9 iron. You know, like, that. Yeah. it's nice to include everything. And then the wedges are there for the special instances in which you've gotten yourself, in, yourself into trouble. Yep, and and there's more movement on the ball than ever, too, because you can now use your D-pad uh, to do, like, high and low hits and backspins. Did you guys try any of that stuff? I tried backspin a little bit, but I it was, it was tough because like it seems like it's a very precise timing. Um, I didn't really try too much else, though. I wasn't very good at it, so I don't think I ever actually pulled it off, but I appreciate that it at least has a little bit more realism in this game than in, in modern golf games where you have this magical ability to alter the course of your ball in mid-flight, and like that's where you add your spin is while the ball is in the air, which doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know if you guys have played more recent golf games, but uh, it, it at least was... Uh, was trying to simulate that aspect of the sport. The only person who was ever able to control their golf ball in midair was Michael Jordan in Space Jam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I will echo what uh, Joe was saying there, that um, 
you know, it, it might just be too many movements to do a backspin. It's just a little complicated because you have to time it appropriately after your movement uh, with the rest of the power gauges. So you have to like perform everything that you need to do and then also think about like using the right or left D-pad to put a little swerve on it right before you tee off, but you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't, you've already hit A twice. So it's like A, A, left, A. And I just think that's like, for me, that's too much to think about in golf right now <laughs> on this platform. It's actually that's where the yeah, fighting comes from. Yeah, it's a lot to think from. about within like one second. That's where the fighting comes from because it's it actually <laughs> right, it's has the yeah they have to do combos to get the ball anywhere. But high and low work really well because those are just holding um, the up or down on your D pad depending on if you want to hit the ball high or if you want to hit it low, and it only has one effect, which is just that if you hit the ball high the wind accounts for more effect. So if you want the wind to like, you know, screw up your ball a little more, if you, if it's going like 10, 10 miles per hour north and you want to make sure you carry your ball, you want to hit high. Whereas like, if you don't want to be affected by the wind, but don't care about shooting like very far, then you want to shoot low to make sure that you get the most accurate possible hit. So, I mean, those are great inclusions that were definitely not on NES Golf, so that's cool. Indubitably. And, and while we're talking about the, the D-pad, the left and right don't do anything while you're shooting, correct? I don't know. It's only... I think that... I, I, I'm pretty sure it's just up and down while you're is shooting. That and how you press apply, B, is that how you apply, like, hook? Or is that just... You, you do hook via where you do that second A press? Where you do I that thought hook was where that okay. second A press... Yeah. yeah. So I was, I know this is like a, this is like such a tiny pet peeve, but I was like a little annoyed that I had to, every time I wanted to, you know, rotate uh, my player at all, you have to press B to like activate the ability to rotate, even though the buttons you use to rotate are not doing anything beforehand, like there was no need for that. So you have to press B to activate that ability, then press B to select club and then press B again to go back to swinging. And I know that's like a tiny thing, but it got annoying to me after a while. I kept forgetting, like, wait, what, am I am I swinging now? Am I selecting my club? I, I feel like it should have just been B to select your club, and that's the only. You don't need to have like an alternative control scheme just so you could turn left and right if you have these two buttons that are not doing anything otherwise. Sure, I guess I agree with that. It didn't bother me as much, but if if it can be uh, if it can be achieved and simplified, then why not? Yeah, I feel like maybe, it, or or then if you're going to have this other thing, which wouldn't be that big of a deal, if if left and right were doing anything in the first control screen scheme, I hope I'm I hope I'm saying this in a clear enough way that the listeners know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you haven't played it, but I guess, but it's just I guess we could. It's like, just a little weird that you have to go to like another page of controls. I guess like we could just very briefly like explain. So there there are like there are three modes that you're going to cycle through. Uh, the first is. Uh, you have a little cursor that shows the direction you're facing, um, and you can adjust that with left and right, and also sort of extrapolate distance from that point by pressing up and down. And then if you press A or press B again, it'll uh, move you to your club selection. If you press B again, it gets you to where you can actually take your swing, and that's just a power gauge. And the second press of that power gauge determines uh, how much hook or push i guess you have on the swing so what, what what joe is trying to describe is uh like there's a little too much division in how all those things control because that same power gauge uh selection could also handle 
turning left or right. Is that pretty clear? Yeah, exactly. Like it's like they they could be in the same yeah screen. You know, you you shouldn't have to switch to a new control scheme because that just it just adds like a weird layer of complication that kind of, it's sort of immersion breaking a little bit. Uh, I know that I'm like overly annoyed with this like tiny little thing, but I just felt like after a while, I was just like, why is it making me do this every time? Well, it's important to note too that you start on the assumption that you're swinging. So every time that you do want to move, uh, even just the tiniest bit rotate in a particular direction, you need to press the B button at least three times to get through your entire rotation. You know, so uh, it's it, it'd be one thing if it asked you first, where do you want to face before that? You know, because that would be like one way right. to achieve it. So we only have to do one B press, but you're going to wind up doing the B button press three times before you're able to uh, go back to your swinging. Right. And before I, I mean, I didn't read the manual right off the bat. I had to go back into it. But like at first I wasn't even sure how to turn because the, the D-pad wasn't doing anything to make me turn, which then I just felt like, why doesn't it just let me turn now? <laughs> but uh, so I had to go in and read the manual and realize that you can like switch to another control. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is that, you, you know, you were asking if the left and right D-pad do anything. Um, and it, it only happens when you're in the middle of, uh, you know, applying your swing where you can apply the, bla- the, the backspin. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you couldn't use the left and right beforehand, but maybe it was locking it off just so this way it was always triggered for backspin or something like that, that you couldn't apply two different sets of controls for, for the same uh, recognition. Maybe, yeah. And then the last notable addition that I wanted to talk about is a practice mode. You know, this was something that we all had a gripe about in NES Golf because there was no way to practice the later holes. You just had to remember them and be like, oh, yeah, I'm okay at this one if you assume that you could get all the way to the 17th hole again <laughs> in NES Golf. So in this one, you're able to practice a particular hole that's bugging you, and you can also practice better with all the characters, too, to better understand how they work. And so I think this just makes so much sense, and it feels weird that we're praising a practice mode here, but we don't have a lot of games that let you practice much of anything. Yeah, and I think it was needed a lot more here because, like you said, there are these four different characters that you want to be able to play around with and see who you're good with and who you, you know, whose control schemes you like. One one uh, thing I wanted to mention was uh, in the, uh, I guess the campaign mode, if you, for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, I like the additions of holes that had little uh, mini objectives on them, like the farthest drive and closest pin, um, and they would you would get like. You'd get a trophy for that, even while you're just going through a normal nine holes. Uh, so I guess little tidbits like that were also a good improvement, I thought, added some flavor to it. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something there. I don't watch golf, if it's not clear. There, but there's got to be something there, because that's even a mechanic in Mario Golf on the N64, where certain courses, certain holes would just be like, who's got the longest drive? And then you would get a trophy for that too. So that must be like a thing in golf. But, <laughs> I don't actually uh, know. I liked, I liked that inclusion. Is that what, what Nassau is? That's Nassau, the Nassau mode, yeah. yes. I got, it's like the Nassau it, classic or something. I don't know. Yeah, is, I mean, isn't that what that is? I know that's like betting on three different things, but is that like actually betting on betting specific? Isn't that what that is? Isn't that like... Yeah, it's, a, wager, on, like, it's the, a wager in golf, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I don't really know too much more about it, but I thought I, I think it's like you, you bet on like the first half of the game, and you bet on the first nine holes in the back nine, and then like something else. Interesting. Yeah, I just yeah, took I just, it as here's you're gonna go and play the whole course versus a computer or somebody else. So I didn't know. <laughs> it's money, but in this game, obviously, there's no money, so it's just wagered on the best score of each of the front nine, back nine for the total of eighteen holes. So it's the same thing as like what I think NES golf called match play, where you just basically get um, you get appropriate points based on a particular hole, not in terms of strokes. So there's no difference if one guy gets like negative seven and the other guy, you know, has plus three because it only counts like who won the most amount of holes. It's an individual type, type thing. And I think that's really cool. I think that's a neat way to get around being bad at particular holes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I I appreciated the improved graphics in this game. Uh, not that they are anything like special, but instead of just the bare bones like grass and sand and water of uh, NES Golf, like there's actually some almost three D elements uh, in. Uh, one of the window panes in this where like the tree, like you, you see trees in the distance and the, the trees that you actually interact with on the course. Uh, the character models are a bit more detailed uh, and they're not just weirdly realistically shaped Mario's. Um, so uh, I thought that was uh, also uh, something that you could applaud. Yeah, I thought I thought it definitely looked like, you know, there was like some shading or so, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't just solid colors. Yeah. Um, but there was one thing about actually like the improved look that I actually think hurt it a little bit, unless I misinterpreted it. But in, in NES golf, when you're on the green, there were like just little arrows that like kind of look like they're supposed to be part of the aesthetic, but they also serve to point as to like which way the slope is, like which way your ball will roll. Well, that still exists. Where now on it, the it green. looks like, yeah, there's something there, but it's like. There's, there's like not always air. They're like weird designs. I can't even tell sometimes which way it's trying to point. Oh, uh, I I guess I I had a more like, uh, I, I took to it a bit more naturally because they do sort of they they end up looking like arrows in some instances and sometimes they're in, in some instances yeah. yeah but then other instances they're just not like and sometimes I'm like okay like th- this one line is like out further than the two next to it so it looks like it's pointing that way but then in other instances I'm just like what is this shape so that's what i just kind of guessed sometimes okay yeah yeah i think i think what joe's getting at there which um you know it's like a weird fault of the game here where the nes one is being so straightforward about where the direction on the putt goes that it's just it's just right angles you know it's just here's here's it's heading left it's heading right this one does more design work which which to sean's point is true you'll be able to tell but it's not inherently obvious. Yeah. And but it's also and that's it's the thinking, aesthetic that they were going for. Yeah, it's a bit more realistic, even though no green has these weird patterns on them. But it's also telling you how steep the the curve is, and uh, there's like eight directions it can go now instead of just four. So um, I think with the with the information they were trying to get across, yeah, it wasn't perfectly clear, but I think it's something right. you can learn over time. 
playing the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure the more you play it, the more you can pick up on it. I, I don't remember NES Golf only having four directions. Is that, oh, are we sure maybe on that? that was false, but. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I also didn't realize that this one had steeper, That that's cool that it does have steeper things. But the, the thing that bothers me is I almost think it feels a little less realistic because I feel like if I'm on a golf course, even though there are no arrows indicating, it's very clear to me where the slope is, like, especially when you're on there. Whereas like here, I don't know, maybe I have to play it again. Maybe I missed something, but here it felt like I was like, I was like never 100% sure that I was right about which way the slope was going and how, you know, how steep it was. Huh. The the manual rightly assumes that most kids won't understand all of the rules of golf. And I think the manual does a great job here of covering a lot of weird instances that might seem like, oh, that's kind of unfair. But then you read the manual and you say, oh, well, they did mention it. So I guess I don't have an excuse. And that's one of those things where it does say that, you know, on, specifically on the putting green, uh, the ball goes in the direction of the point of the mark. The bigger the mark, the more the ball is affected. And then even goes as far as to say that the influence of grass on the American course is stronger than on the Japanese course. <laughs> Interesting. Damn right. <laughs> we have stronger grass over <laughs> here. American grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't read any of that. So that might also be uh, where my issue comes in. talking about the graphics we might as well talk about the music because this is our first golf game with music <laughs> oh yeah uh well I'll, I'll let you know my my first impression of it was it felt very for some reason it was feeling very johto region to me it felt very pokemon gen 2 <laughs> okay i don't know if anyone else got that but it, this is what it was reminding me of well it does have a bit of a it has a bit of a game boy sound to it i'm glad you brought that up because i'm listening to it right now and yeah, it doesn't quite sound like an NES style uh, of music, um, but it, it uh, obviously is that they can't change chips or anything. It just seems so distinctly, uh, and maybe it's just the number of sound channels they're using, but it just seems so distinctly like upbeat and um, high use of chimes and everything like that. So I think that's really cool that you mentioned that. Right. And, and, and you mentioned the number of sound channels, and I think that's part of the reason where, cause I, I think part of the reason where I'm making the connection is because the first generation of Pokemon I felt like was like much simpler music. And the second one got a little more com- complex. And I feel like this is like a little more complex than what we're used to hearing on the NES. So I think it's giving me like uh, some nostalgia there. Name drop. Yeah, some nostalgia. I didn't even think of that. And I don't want to go like too deep into um, the differences between like stroke play and Nassau mode as if they're like, you know, as if like, oh, like we have to get into the nitty gritty of these. but. Um, you know, with stroke play being solo and Nassau finally giving players the ability to verse computers where NES Golf didn't, uh, I thought it was it was fun to play against computers, but they're pretty they're pretty pretty good at the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I had a situation where I I played as Lee Trevino and oh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Super, Super Max, and then it randomly chose. Uh, pretty amy and i i wasn't doing too great but i was i was holding my own 
And I wouldn't have won a hole unless the AI for Amy actually, I, I thought like was actually trying to rebel against me because I got pretty lucky. On, I forgot which hole it was. Um, and I birdied it. And so Amy comes a, comes up on the green and she overshoots it. Uh, and now she's in the very rough or the super rough. I don't know what, what kind of rough it was. And so she's trying to get out and then she doesn't hit the green again. And it's her, it's her stroke again. And then she just starts rotating away from the hole further into the rough. That exact that exact thing happened to me, but it wasn't it's, pretty Amy. It it's was almost else. as if like the computer assumes that the hole is in a different spot because <laughs> they this the computer did this seventeen times before <laughs> it, it finally oh, randomly gee, got in the hole. Right. Or like fifteen, something <laughs> along those lines. Before it finally got in the hole by what I assume was black magic because it was <laughs> off of the the, the roughest part of the course possible and it was just like a straight shot into the hole so i don't know what the what was going on with the ai in this i don't know if i put it into some almost infinite loop but a, that, the fact that it happened I, I, to yeah. you too is insane to me uh yeah i think there's some like rule in the ai that is like broken there where it's like oh it's always going to aim for like the the easiest way to get to i don't know this situation but like it's not taking into account this one spot yeah where like the hole is not in that situation <laughs> to to bring another Pokemon reference in 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 Gen One of Pokemon there was a there was a an AI glitch where there was a move that that didn't work on one Pokemon but the game's AI was like oh this is always strong against this type and you could like break the game by like wow. make I think it was like you make Dragonite use Wrath over and over again or something <laughs> okay. like it's something like that where it's like it won't attack you because it thinks that it's super effective because the AI is broken. Uh, and I feel like it's a situation like that. That'll be my last Pokemon reference of the day. <laughs> One other thing, since we're talking about these different modes and stuff like that, there there were two courses that we briefly touched upon some light differences, but there was the American course and the Japanese course. It it pretty much auto-picks the American course where you have to choose to do the Japanese one, and I'm not sure how long you guys played this game, but did you give the Japanese course a run? Yeah, I played uh, the American course for the Nassau mode, and then... Once I was done with that, I, I played a few holes on uh, just stroke play for the Japanese course. And uh, I like the differences between them. Like one is much more wide open, uh, but also like has it has different ratios of the kind of uh, obstacles that you'll find. Whereas like the Japanese course is much more like it's it's a, more of an archipelago as as Japan is. So. Uh, I like the differences. Yeah, it felt like they had actually modeled uh, after like a particular course in each of the countries, and and even like the NES golf gave us in the um, in this manual, we also get like an actual depiction of what each course looks like from like a satellite view, and I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, they look pretty realistic from the. Uh... The quality of this scan, I can't even tell if it's a photograph or not. So. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, oh, and this was another thing I was going to bring up. Uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. Did you guys know that there is a press rule on NASA on the NASA mode that like 
will probably never happen to anybody in in this game, but it, it could possibly happen. And it's like this great rule, and it happens in real life too, where if a player is behind by two or more strokes and can't win, if you choose to press you uh, after um, after the last hole, you declare you declare the press, you win the hole, the score becomes tied, and then uh, and then you go into like a uh, like a final final course, like a playoff, like a playoff thing. It's like it's yeah. like where did that that rule sounds like it was just like scribbled in by somebody at the I, last. I read minute. about this. Uh, I didn't know that it was based on anything real because that sort of makes the entire rest of the game seem like moot. Like if I if I can yeah. pull if I can pull that far ahead of you, shouldn't I win? <laughs> I don't know. Well you have to remember in real life, um, you know, money is involved. So it's like a it's like you're pretty much saying like double or nothing on your score uh I see. for the for the very last hole. <laughs> so in in real life it would behoove you to not do this because you'll probably lose more money. Correct. Far behind. Okay. Right. You've already proven that you've like lost, you know, <laughs> yeah. and now you're like, actually, I want to lose more. <laughs> Unless you're a hustler. That's right. That's true. But that's just for billiards, right? <laughs> right. Right. For lunar pool only. Yeah, I had one thing I wanted to mention, and I and I'm sorry that it sounds like I'm, my thoughts on this game is just a collection of pet peeves. But I appreciate the immersion of having the the player computer player two really take their time to get their shot <laughs> yeah. off. But I mean, it, it takes like it takes like 15 seconds where they're just like they're not even adjusting. It's like they're just taking like a long deep breath before they shoot. <laughs> and the first couple times they're like, oh, it's like real golf, and then I'm like the third time I'm like, okay, like let's play the game. I don't even take that yeah, long. I, 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 had a, I, I found it annoying as well. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So real quick, we'll go into the sequels and spinoffs here. And I think it's important to note that um, Lee Trevino would not show up in another um, another golf game with his own namesake attached to it. So uh, this is your only chance to get a Lee Trevino golf game. But I'm just if glad you want, that, that it happened, you know? Right. If you want, there's always Lee Carvalho's putting challenge uh, <laughs> for Christmas. You could always get that instead. Uh, of course, that's a Simpsons reference from uh, the episode Marge Be Not Proud in Season 7. And I'm sure everybody who's a Simpsons fan knows what I'm talking about. But apparently, Lee Carvalho's putting challenge is somehow making fun of Lee Trevino's fighting golf. Uh, I don't I don't buy the connection, but there's some people trying to make it. <laughs> It's pretty. It's pretty obvious that that's what it's making fun of. I mean, the idea that The Simpsons in season seven, which was nineteen ninety six, would be talking about a game from nineteen eighty eight is a little is a little bit of a reach. I, you know what? I don't. I don't agree with you. I think it is. is it's almost too obvious that it is. <laughs> it is making fun of this game in the same way that I remember you mentioned in a in a prior episode that uh, for about Karnov that you thought. 
there's no way that Karnov isn't in Shantae. And I and it looks so obvious to me that he is. So Mike, I think you're just a little you're just a little too suspicious. I understand now. I, I I'm gonna try to think about this tonight, but um <laughs> I've I've watched The Simpsons for a very long time and I'm going to say that they didn't make the connection. I'm going to I like how you're not you even like going to think about yeah, this tonight. You're, you're gonna try to think about it. It's like the biggest like I'm not really gonna give this the time. You're like some typical like globist that thinks that there were once forests. That's true, that's true. <laughs> or that the trees are just like, you know, the the feet of giants. They were. Yep. Uh or was that the mountains? There was something mm. about mountains were like something for flat earthers. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Um, Lee Trevino, uh, fighting golf did get an LCD game from Tiger Electronics. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Those like, yeah, held LCDs. <laughs> yes. With the, with like the four, like the, just several little displays that it could possibly it's like be. a game and watch. Yes. Yeah. Like a game yeah. and watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's incredible that a golf game got this, but, uh, it gives you a directional pad. It gives you a button just for swinging. And it gives you the ability to select a player and choose what, what kind of sound you want on or not. I think that's that's enough for me. I'm sold. I'd buy it. But that's it for Lee Trevino. And I think we need to instead remember that this is an SNK game. And we don't really like SNK, but we weren't too... Da- I mean, Joe hated this game based on his complaints. But <laughs> the rest of us, we weren't too it's down on it. <laughs> so is SNK it's coming like the around? opposite of normal. Uh, I mean, they're they have proven that they that they're not going to ruin everything that they touch. Okay, good call, Joe. To address your comment there, uh, I wouldn't say I hate it. I actually do think that this is you know a, a, a decent game from SNK. So you know, I'm I'm optimistic about them. And if you want more golf games from SNK, they made uh, Top Players Golf in 1990 which uh, I think made it to the NES. We'll see about that one. I, I don't have it on the list right now, but I'm sure it did. And then there's also Neo Turf Masters, which came out in 1996. And I don't really, like, I'm not as hyped on golf as I was back on NES golf, but wow, like the sprite work, the vibe, the, the everything about this game makes me want to play it. It looks that good for a, like, two-dimensional sprite game. Unfortunately, it's an AES board, and so it's going to cost you about fifteen thousand dollars if you want to play Neo Turf Masters on a Neo Geo. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's I'm surprised that like so this is just like a an arcade game though, right? Well, it did come to the Neo Geo, and uh, you know they have those a those giant cartridges, and those oh. are the ones that cost like fifteen thousand dollars. And so, yeah, they got, but like, I, I do screen know. capture for all of their, like, actual on-field, uh, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe they painted this, but the, the, the actual players look way too realistic to be in this game. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, I do know that that, um, Neo Turf Masters is, or at least once was, available on the Wii Shop channel. That is true! How do you know that? I know that from our favorite song, Mike, uh, Update Day by Nirvana, the band, the show. That's very true. I was going <laughs> to spoil that because you can also now play it on the Switch for $15. So your choice, 15000 or 15 <laughs> You you decide. Actually, it's seven ninety nine, so it's even like a bigger no-brainer. 
Sean, I think I'm going to buy this on Switch. What about you? I'll play it when I come over. <laughs> when I can Very come good. over. Next year, yeah, next year. Yeah, next 2022. Um, yeah, $15,000 is a lot to play for, to pay for a game that isn't stadium events. <laughs> <laughs> True. I have nothing left to say. Uh, let's get into the essential games list. Joe, I need your vote. I really want to replay NES Golf. I should have done it before this episode to see now which one I like better. Because on paper, this this has added more and improved. But then you have my little pet peeves and everything. Um, either way, in my memory, I remember enjoying NES Golf more at the time, probably because I had less to compare it to. But either way, I think they're close enough where if NES Golf wasn't essential, I, I certainly can't make this essential. Very well said. Sean? Well, uh, to address Joe's statement, I think that part of the reason that we do this podcast is to rip the mask of nostalgia away from everybody who's older than us as favorite video games and try and, and try and actually look at them and see how they play now. And that's why I can't I can't have that kind of nostalgia for NES Golf. And I wouldn't I wasn't even one of the votes to put it on the essential games list. So I I don't think anyone No did. one voted. No one voted. Yeah. We all just really I, like it. I'm going to disagree and say that you guys put this on the essential games list. So I definitely did I'm I shouldn't say definitely, I'm almost positive did not. <laughs> well, it was an unofficial member considering you all played it for so long after we reviewed it. I'm still uh, playing but, it. <laughs> but regardless, I do think that this is a better game than NES Golf, but I it's still a golf game, so it's not going on the list. Um so that's that's where I that's where I stand. You know, one thing that really bugged me that I didn't talk about in the episode is that in in the manual for We're NES Golf. We're still in the episode. <laughs> true, true. I meant you know, the essential games list is almost but like its own recording. episode. <laughs> and in the manual for NES Golf, they included how, like how far a ball would travel at max power for any individual club, and that helped you figure out where things were going to go. And in this game, they didn't think to include that in the manual. And so for me, this cannot be an essential <laughs> game. But let me go a little further for a second. Let me go just a little bit further and say that this absolutely is a step in the right direction, both for SNK as a company and in terms of like improving sports games. This is much better in terms of like features and being fleshed out and even including like, you know, a total of 36 total holes and two different modes and a practice mode. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is better than NES Golf. But. I was introduced to that game at a very um, formative you know, time early, in life. yeah, an early, in a formative <laughs> early time in my life, and uh, you know, two years ago, and <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I think if you know, if you put a gun to my head and tell me I can only keep one of them, I'm gonna think that's a very <laughs> strange request, but I might choose NES Golf over this, and that says something just about like Nintendo's charm of things. And just how third party, uh, you know, Lumpy Mario. Have... You'd prefer to play as Lumpy Mario than the, like, the greatest of all time, Lee Trevino. That's insane. Yeah. 
I think I would. And it just goes to show you the barrier for third-party developers that they don't get that n- Nintendo attachment to them. You know, like we, we judge them so much harder than our uh, than our Nintendo friends. And maybe that's just because we're biased. Maybe it's because Nintendo pays us to run this podcast. Just going to let that linger. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, that is all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. You can join us next time. We'll be playing Mylon's Secret Castle. Sorry, what was you that guys? again? <laughs> Mylon's Secret Castle. Okay, I'm looking I've forward heard to this. Yeah, I've, I've think it's, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting one. It's a action-adventure game released by Hudson Soft. The oh, people yo, that looking Sean... at it now, I really don't like the look of it. <laughs> Sean tried to tell me he had never heard of Hudson Soft. Uh, they're the ones with the Bumblebee mascot that were then bought by Konami. Uh, so you definitely know who I'm talking about. They made Adventure Island, our lost episode. <laughs> we never even addressed the lost episode. I addressed it on Twitter, so I, I feel like that's where oh, okay. the majority of our fans are. So that's that. I don't follow us on Twitter. That's interesting. Uh, are you not <laughs> the not majority of our fans? I'm not on Twitter. It's, that's because uh, this ep- that episode is uh, lost in the offices of yore, correct? Correct. Uh, <laughs> and maybe someday, you know, the the office, like the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, will reopen its gates to children. <laughs> maybe someday. Hey, real fast before we end the episode, can I just get, because, uh, you know, we always do, like, a verdict on these games. Uh, World Class Track Meet, was that a play it or a skip it? World, cr- World Class Track Meet? Yeah. That was a skip it for me. I think I would go skip it. Yeah, that's a skip it. Adventure Island? Adventure I think that was Island? a skip it for I, I me. I might have gone play it? I can't remember. I, I'm a skip it. Joe, Joe, it's it's not that it's not life or death. Don't worry about it. I'm not gonna hold you. Okay, Ooh, thank <laughs> yeah. God, thank God. If you can't even I remember, thought was, the I game, thought you were the guy with the gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy with the gun to your head only asked about golf. <laughs> no, but I remember Adventure Island. I just can't remember how much. I oh, you know okay, what it was? It. it was Adventure Island Quest, the mobile game that I think is a play it and a, an essential right. games list game. Yeah, you actually yeah. picked up like a Nokia N gauge to play that, right? For sure. <laughs> yes. I also have Tony I, I, Hawk. I've got, <laughs> I, I've got one more thing to say. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, we, I still have more games. And that is, don't worry. Oh, more games. Oh, okay. Go on. Then I'll I'll do my thing in the post show. That'd be great. Um, Galaga Stick Demons around. of Death. I would say that was a play it, not a skip it. I think I would say play it as well, especially because I'm not a uh, shmup guy. Just interesting. Okay, Galgo thirteen. I would say play it. Yeah, it's broken jank, but it's a, it's play it. It's it's it, but it's worth it's worth experiencing. And Jackal? <laughs> I'd give that a play it. I'd play it. Wow, you guys are loving these games now. Yeah. Je- I actually Jeopardy. the only one I'm thinking I I'm, play <laughs> the shit out of that. I I think I might change my answer on Galaga. To skip it? To to skip it. Yeah, personally. But the rest I'm uh, I'm sticking with. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you guys for that research. Join us in the post show for uh, Joe's Soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) And from our audio producer, in quarantine, everything's a play it.
Welcome to the post show. The only thing I wanted to say to clear up is that in Pokemon Red and Blue, all three of Lance's Dragonair know agility as their only psychic type move. Agility is a status move rather than a damage dealing move. However, these Dragonair, due to the AI, will be locked on agility against a poison type such as a Zubat. So a Zubat can beat Lance's Dragonairs at a level, you know, at what any level, just because they will not attack you. So that's the AI glitch. Okay, I, I feel that, but can you explain something to me for a minute? Sure. Why does Lance have three Dragonites? Because there just weren't enough dragon types. He has, he has two Dragonairs in a Dragonite. I just think but that's there, insane. But what other dragon types are there? Yeah. It seems like a bad decision to make a dragon trainer if you don't have enough dragon types. What we t- Oh, we're talking about... Uh, well, I, was, I thought we were talking about Marauder Shields. We, no, we were talking about Monster Rancher. <laughs> that's a game I haven't even heard of in a while. Is that any good? No. No? No. Monster Rancher? Monster. Worse than Digimon. Really? Yeah. I remember Monster I played... Rancher sounds like a Monster Cheese Ranch <laughs> Dorito. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, I was staying at my cousin's house for a week at, like in during the summer of probably 90-something, and there was a... Uh, there was a PlayStation 1 game about Digimon, and the only real thing that I remember from that game is that... They would uh, take a shit. No, I didn't... <laughs> I don't remember that, but that they would grow meat out of the ground, as if, like, you could just farm meat, as if it were a crop. Yes, Digimon World. Uh, I had it as well on the PlayStation. It's now a very rare game. I own it, and it's worth full retail value. Wow. Um... But they, they they do poop in that game. <laughs> uh, I, I so will send you a link. What's, like, Gun to your head, what's better, Digimon World or Red Dead Redemption 2 in terms of animals pooping? I think I'm going to have to give this one to Digimon World because Agumon's poop is, like, photorealistic. All right, Agumon poop. But it's weird. It's I feel like it's much weirder because isn't Agumon like a character? Like he's not just like an animal. He's like got like a personality. Right? I think that's no different oh, than wow. saying like, isn't it weird that? Right? Isn't it weird that Pokemon <laughs> say their like say their species name in the in the anime, but in the games they just have like animal like cries? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching Agumon poop right now, and. I'm, the thing is that there's a lot of it. I never would have thought that there'd be that much. <laughs> Why does he keep doing that? All he has to do is just go to the bathroom, too. If you just let him go to the bathroom uh, in the outhouse, then you won't have to worry about the poop going but, anywhere. But wouldn't this relieve his need to use the bathroom instead of continuing to poop until he goes to the bathroom? It seems that he's pooping in protest. Right. <laughs> Apparently, <And>... Digimon is <laughs> good. 